Hello, and welcome to the Tokenomics Podcast, the show where we discuss exciting crypto assets with a special focus on how tokenized assets can lead to new economic opportunity. My name is Jack Lasky, and I'm an advisor at the Ezra New Economy Fund, and I'm joined today by Ezra's managing partner, Zach Resnick. For our inaugural episode, we are joined by the fantastic Fred Krueger, founder of WorkCoin and EOS Links, to discuss the WorkCoin project and token economy. Thank you so much for tuning in, and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Jack. Hello, Zach. Nice to be talking with you again in a different format. Yeah, no, it's always been great podcasting with you, and it's even more exciting to start a, a new podcast. I know. Uh, 150 poker hands later, and finally we're talking about something interesting. Just kidding. But um, <laughs> no, we are talking about something extremely interesting. Zach, do you want to give our fantastic first guest a proper introduction? Of course. So today we have on um, a serial entrepreneur and the founder of the crypto asset WorkCoin, uh, someone who's been really influential to me in terms of thinking about token economics and someone I'm really happy that is on the podcast today. Fred, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Yeah. So let's just to, to start it off. Why did you want to start WorkCoin? Well, uh, I feel that uh, the, the one of the biggest opportunities with crypto has been the the intersection of crypto and marketplaces. And so specifically, our our goal here is, and we realized this, uh, uh, at least that there's an opportunity about nine months ago. And uh, we saw, look, pe- people, the world's going to a gig economy. You know, it's, it's, it's almost uh, 50% of the U.S. workforce is doing some form of freelancing at this point. And... Um, The, you know, this is just, and it's growing every single year. It'll cross 50% in about eight years. Um, So right now it's at sort of 46% of the U.S. population is freelancing. And it's the same more or less all over the world uh, with some place, with Europe a little bit behind because of some, some laws. And, you know, it's it's, in many cases in Germany, it's, you you can't freelance by law, Uh, but people are still doing it. Um, So the, you know, we're in this gig economy but there is a, a major problem for both freelancers and people finding work. They, they really can't do it. You know, so they can't. Uh, it's very hard to find a, whether it's a lawyer or a graphic designer, uh, you know, a, a, somebody who's really great at PowerPoint, uh, somebody who's really great at uh, you know, just business advice. It, it, you know, you can't find that by the hour uh, in a very convenient form except for the super low end. Like I want to get a logo designed at 99 designs or I want to get, um, you know, you know, a, an incorporation done on legal zoom. So, you know, there, there's certain very low end things that are, that are doable. Uh, but you know, for most tasks, you just have to ask people on Facebook, Hey, does anybody know anybody who's really great at, you know, PowerPoint or anybody who's really great at managing telegram or this or that. And it's sort of a half, haphazard thing just to find the person and then once you find the person you have to pay the person and that becomes another problem because how do you pay them you could use paypal you could use uh you could give them your credit card uh these are not great solutions on the internet um so you know crypto offers a potentially revolutionary way of payment uh and the reason is is that Crypto, unlike credit cards, is final. So if I give you crypto, you have that crypto. There's no, I cannot get that crypto back. 
Now, that's that's really great for the person receiving the crypto because they uh, they know that they've got the money. Um, but it's not great for the person giving the crypto because, you know, they may, in fact, you know, they, they don't really want to give it before the work's done. And so you have this sort of uh, conundrum. Like, I found this person. At least now I found them. They're good. I or I think they're good. But how do I how do I actually pay them? You know, so. Do I give them a little bit up front and then maybe they maybe they just sort of disappear and they don't do anything? Um, do I do what they want? Do I give them a retainer? Um, so and th- this is this is the problem. So we sort of saw what if this thing was integrated into a marketplace? Crypto was integrated into a marketplace with escrow and arbitration. So the person's not actually getting any money up front. But they know that the money has been placed in escrow, and that's already a big deal, right? Because they um, they know that the, the person's good for the money; they aren't wasting their time. So that's the first step. Now they actually do the work, and now just like Uber, there's a rating process. If if the work was done satisfactorily, that's fine; the money's released, and they get the money immediately and permanently. So they don't have to wait two weeks, like in a marketplace like Upwork uh, or Fiverr uh, to to get it done. And they then can take the money, they can take the crypto and, you know, uh, move it onto an exchange and get cash out immediately. So that's sort of the the genesis of this this idea. No, that makes perfect sense. And I'm curious, and I'll just ask this question on behalf of some of the listeners who are less familiar with the platform. Uh, You mentioned earlier that there's not a great way for freelancers to find work right now. And then you went on to mention, you know, some platforms like Upwork, uh, Fiverr. Right. The the two largest platforms in the U.S. are Upwork and Fiverr. And they're both a little different. Um, the, the Fiverr model is I, I can do this service for this flat price. So, for example, I can make you a video for 100 bucks. I can get you a hundred Twitter followers for 30 bucks. That's the sort of Fiverr model. The Upwork model is I'm available to be hired at uh, $25 an hour. And those are the sort of the two models. Now in both of these models, your identity as a freelancer is not revealed to the person buying the service. So uh, you, you can't hire Fred Krueger you're hiring Fred K or crypto guy. And you can see my picture, but you can't see anything that would identify that picture with Fred Krueger, with the my LinkedIn profile, with my Facebook account, with my GitHub if I'm a programmer, with my YouTube account if I'm a, a videographer, etc. So it's it's an anonymous or pseudonymous marketplace where the identities are hidden on purpose to stop people from going direct. And that's, that's the landscape that, that people looking for work um, are, are faced with. And it's also the landscape that, you know, people who are hiring these people is faced with. So in both cases, it's, it's, it's a disadvantage, right? So the people looking for work, they really can't, put their best face forward. They can't say, here, look at my LinkedIn. See, I went to Stanford. Uh, uh, see, I used to work at Hewlett Packard. Uh, 
you know, uh, I have expertise in this particular area that you're looking at. I can't do that as a person looking to be hired. And I can't also get recommendations from people who might be influential in my field. So, you know, I'm an electrical engineer and some other electrical engineer says, this Fred's a great guy. You know, he really knows his stuff as far as circuitry and this and that. Um, so you, you know, in these marketplaces like Upwork, there is no, there's no identity for the person making the recommendation as well as for the, the person themselves. So it's a very much of a limited marketplace for very specific low end tasks. And that's kind of, that is where we are today. So there's no, there's no great way to like, if you went on Google and you said, I want to find a patent attorney. You can Google patent attorney, but you're not going to get a patent attorney online and hire them within an hour. That's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So enter blockchain. Enter blockchain. So enter, <laughs> well, enter crypto, right? So, and so, you know, look, I, I'm going to start by saying crypto is very young, right? And it's not something where, uh, you know, uh, a very large percentage of Americans have ever used crypto, right? So, you know, this is a nascent kind of phenomenon. Uh, you know, I have crypto, uh, Zach has crypto, uh, not a lot of people have crypto though. Um, it's, it crypto. has a much, you have crypto. Okay. So <laughs> most people, most people have, are at the phase right now where, and if, they do have crypto they just basically they're not using crypto right they're 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 basically holding it in some exchange like coinbase or kraken or bitrex or something like that or binance uh, but they're they're mainly using it for speculative purposes they're not using it for transactional purposes uh, so you know that's where we are today and it's you know there's a lot of obstacles uh for that so you know it takes takes a while to get your first crypto right and then you have to uh, put it in an exchange, which may not have all of the types of crypto. So, for example, on Coinbase, you can buy Bitcoin, you can buy Ethereum, but you can't buy EOS, for example, on Coinbase yet. So if you now want EOS, you have to move your, uh, your Bitcoin to uh, another exchange, Kraken, which, has, uh, which will sell you the EOS for Bitcoin. That's, that's a lot of steps. Um, so, you know, we're in this phase where it's it, a lot of this stuff is now starting to become possible, but it's certainly not widespread yet, which makes the opportunity, in my opinion, as well. Right. So it, it's sort of like the Internet when a few people had browsers, but not not everybody. And right. So, you know, going to your comment about enter crypto. So let's look at a world where people do have access to their crypto in a handy way. And I'll sort of explain how I think we get there. But, but, but if you have access to crypto in a very handy way, right, you can pay the marketplace in crypto very quickly, very easily. And you can put your crypto in the marketplace and you can say, oh, this is a service that I like. This is a guy that looks great. I've checked him out on LinkedIn. I've checked him out on um, his own website. You know, all that information is visible to me. And now I'm ready to transact 
great. The person is giving me AML KYC info, and he will he will do the service for me for let's say fifty dollars an hour. Great. I'd like to buy a six hours for three hundred dollars. Great. So what I will do is I will transfer three hundred dollars worth of crypto into the marketplace escrow account, really into a smart contract. And then the work then starts. So now I'm chat with the person. They know that the, the money's been placed in escrow, so they're eager to start the job and to earn the money. And then after the um, six hours, they, they say, great, now my, my job's over, uh, the job's done, and um, please rate me, just like an Uber. You've arrived at your destination. And so now uh, it's up to the buyer to say, am I okay with this job? Do I, do I give the guy four stars? Or am I really unhappy with this job? So in the case that they're happy with the job, they say, great, I, I give you four stars and I thereby release the money. At this point, the seller gets the money, the crypto, immediately in their wallet. So there's no waiting. There's no, uh, there's, there's no waiting for the central authority to process it, uh, to wait two weeks, to make sure that they're not fraudulent. None of that. It's It's truly peer-to-peer and they just have the money immediately within within a matter of literally seconds in the case of eos um so that's the case where they're happy what if they're not happy well at this point the um the buyer has an opportunity to say well what what would i consider fair and they say well i think you know i need to get half my money back because the seller you know, didn't really do a great job and they were, you know, they were very late and not responsive and, and they didn't, they, they, they were not working at the pace that I thought they would be working. Great. That's my reasoning. I want half my money back. Now the seller has a choice. Are they okay with that? If they're okay with it, great. Again, they push a button and now algorithmically it basically returns 50% of the money to the buyer and the seller gets the other 50% and that's done again. And if not, they could say, well, I only think they, the buyer should get 25% of the money back because I actually did a pretty good job and here's why. And now an arbitrator can look at this and say, I'm going to either go for the buyer's version or the seller's version. I can look at the, I don't have to talk to anybody. I just have to look at the statement of work. I have to look at both versions of what should be done. And I have to look at the chat logs. And very quickly, I can make a decision. And that arbitration is final, and that 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 determines who gets the money or how much of a refund the buyer gets. And that can be handled very, very quickly. And if you've ever done any contracting or any dispute resolution, you know this is an amazing pain point. You know, if if you know you're especially if you're dealing with somebody in a different country, because there really is no recourse at all. There's no legal recourse. There's nothing. It's just. You know, how much can you bug the other person before getting some kind of consensus? And so that's, you know, that's what we think is could be an enormously, an enormously good way to settle these things and to make buying a service from somebody you don't know, but you may have thoroughly vetted and researched possible on the Internet without ever meeting the person. Right. Make sense? That makes perfect sense. Okay. 
So what what other crypto assets or pieces on token economics have been most influential for you when designing Workcoin? So I think, look, the most so the I, I've read them all. Right. So I think the uh, the thing that is the most the best thinking of this is from Multicoin Capital, uh, Kyle Samani. And I think he has completely convinced me that it's really all about staking, right? So um, you basically want a coin. Well, first of all, you need adoption, right? So if, if you don't have adoption, if you're not building a system that people actually want to use, then it's hopeless, right? So if you have, a, if you have this great system and nobody's using it, it doesn't matter what token economics you have. It, it won't work, you know, and and I think this this is probably the most important thing. So the I would say the most important thing about the way we're 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 building Workcoin is we we actually are trying to build something that's going to get mass consumer adoption. And, you know, if you look right now on blockchain, there's exactly zero apps that have mass consumer adoption. And by mass consumer adoption, I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of people on an ordinary basis using these apps. And, you know, that's not even a lot for, for today's apps. You know, uh, sort of a million monthly users is not a lot for for an average app on the app store right now. But if you look at sort of blockchain apps, you know, there are on Ethereum network, there's uh, the highest, most used app on Ethereum is an exchange called IDEX, and it has 4,000 daily users. So, you know, right now, these apps are not, they're not usable. And so I think the very first thing is you got to make an app that's usable. And it, it really has got to be an app that where the, there's not a lot of moving parts so that you could sit down somebody, you know, they don't have to be a crypto expert at it. They understand how to use the thing and it's not there's not they aren't sort of copying and pasting these hash numbers they aren't showing these qr codes and waiting half a you know a minute or two they have to be able to actually transact quickly and just like any other app so that's the first thing i would say that my thinking is very different from almost anybody's thinking in this area which is you know i really think that <laughs> There's a barrier to usability that a lot of people have not really thought of. And uh, and so, you know, that's the first thing. Now, if you have something that's usable, then I think what you need as far as a token is you need a token where the people who have um, an incentive to hold a token are the people who are going to be making the most money from the app. So in the case of uh, the multi-coin analysis, it's been like he looked at sort of Filecoin as an example, and he said the way Filecoin is rewarding people in their model is that they reward the people who have the Filecoin, who have the Filecoin with more stores business. So if the if the Filecoin business goes to, let's say, ten billion dollars of, of of transactions a year. Um, then how much should people be willing to pay for the Filecoin tokens? Well, presumably they should be willing to pay $10 billion because at least because there's $10 billion of revenue that's going to, 
towards the guys who own the Filecoin. And, um, and that is a, a, a much higher number than if you said, I'm just going to pay for the stuff in Filecoin and then immediately transfer it to Bitcoin or some other, some other, or Ethereum, for example. Because then the Filecoin would not be held. There would be very little incentive to hold the Filecoin and to accumulate the Filecoin. So I'm really a believer in the staking model, I think. And I think the, you know, the, the sort of live case of that that we're witnessing right now is EOS, right? Because you have to own EOS. You have to stake EOS in order to really use the network. And so, for example, if you're doing an airdrop right now, you need to own a bunch of EOS. Otherwise, you can't do your airdrop. But it's free to transact, but you need to own this EOS. So I, I like that model a lot. Right. You you want to limit the velocity of you know how often the token is being moved. That's the first thing, and I also think that you know kind of, and that's another reason why I think stable coins are going to be quite used. Which is, you know, for transactions, neither the buyer nor the seller loves to have a ton of velocity, uh, volatility in their in their transaction. So, you know, if I'm holding, if I'm being paid in something like Workcoin or Filecoin, well, that's okay. But, you know, now I'm being sort of forced to take a bet on Filecoin for the length that I'm sort of, you know, holding this or making this Filecoin. And I don't necessarily love that. Uh, on the other hand, if Filecoin is strictly used as a staking coin, but I'm actually being paid in, you know, a stable coin like uh USDC, which is the new circle coin or reserve or carbon, these are all, you know, stable or basis, these are all stable coins that are emerging, then I think it's much more like real money. <laughs> so it's sort of, and I think I think the human brain has two two ways of thinking about money. One is uh, you know, I want to pay the rent kind of money. I want to make I mean, this is my monthly nut kind of money. And the other is I want to invest in this company kind of money, this or this ecosystem kind of money. And I think they're both valid, but they don't really mix that well. And, and so I think for payments, I think the the model of uh, a stable coin works better. Uh, but I do think the the overall utility model for tokens works fine. I think you're you know. I think EOS is a pretty good example of that, you know, you know, even at kind of today's sort of, I think, somewhat depressed prices, I think, you know, it has still a, you know, $8 billion market cap. And that is all based on the utility people are ascribing to the EOS coin. So I'm not right. against the utility coins, but I, I don't think it's because of a payment thing. And I think, I think a lot of people, and including myself, when I first, when we first looked at this, we were like, well, this thing could be great. Now, the tokenomics, maybe we should just make this thing about payment. And then we sort of realized a lot of, by talking to a lot of people, they're like, well, okay, but then I'm going to have this risk, you know, and I'm going to be buying. I like the idea of, you know, buying this stuff with crypto. I'm sold on that. I like to see the identity of all these people that in your marketplace, but I don't really necessarily want to, you know, have to pre-buy a whole bunch of work coins. And then maybe your work coin drops 20%. Uh, and all of a sudden, I have 20% purchasing power less. 
you know, the answer to that was, well, you don't have to buy them all at once. You can just buy, but that's not a great answer, to be honest. So, so we we've kind of gone back to uh, actually or evolved to no, you you should be able to buy it with a stable coin, and the the seller should get the stable coin. So there's no there's no urgency to liquidate this at all. But meanwhile, that you should have some incentive to hold these work coins, either to get more business or to get a deeper discount, uh, uh, or or not to pay any transaction fees. So, and so I think this is a good opportunity. You've sort of alluded to a lot of how tokens are being used in your business model, mm-hmm. but I think right. it would be good to get into the specifics. Sure. So about tokens usage? Yeah, so you have two tokens associated with uh, the WorkCoin platform. So Yeah, so right. So basically, so we are talking about our own token and a stablecoin token, right? And there's really three, which is EOS itself, right, which is another token. So we are, so let me start by saying this. We are building a wallet, okay, to actually hold these tokens in the app. And this is, uh, this is something that we're about to sort of unveil very soon because we're going to be unveiling an EOS wallet next week that is sort of like building our own EOS wallet next week, which is um, just a standalone EOS wallet. But we're also building that same wallet technology into WorkCoin. And... So that's the first thing. The first thing to, to understand is that we are, in fact, holding your keys in the WorkCoin app. So you are holding, and there's really three coins that, that you're going to be seeing typically in WorkCoin. One is EOS. So that's sort of the, the, the coin on which we're, we're basing our thing. And that's the natural way to fund this thing. So you just move EOS into your account. And it's literally the, as, as simple as sending EOS to an account name. And it happens instantaneously. Um, and this is something where I don't think most of the world understands how great this is. But literally, you can send, um, you can send one penny to WorkCoin Fred. And one second later, I will get that one penny. And that is an amazing, amazing thing. It's like... It is so much fundamentally better than Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything else because there are zero transaction costs and it's instantaneous, okay? And that's the power of EOS. That's why I'm I'm actually quite bullish on the EOS ecosystem. So the getting coins into your account is as simple as uh, sending them to this EOS address, now, once you have the EOS coins in your account, you can do you can convert them in the account into uh, into stable coins. So, again, I I I, I bought let's say five hundred dollars worth of EOS, and I just want to convert that into actually five hundred dollars, so that I don't have any volatility. So. You know, we'll do that conversion for you in the app, just like Evercoin or Shapeshift would do, right? And then you have this WorkCoin, and the the WorkCoin is the thing that actually makes the whole thing kind of work. And that's the WorkCoin is has sort of three functions for buyers and sellers. So the the first function is that for buy both buyers and sellers, it eliminates fees, 
And what I mean by that is if you have enough work coin, and we'll have to work out exactly how what that means by have enough, but basically you're not going to pay any transaction fees at all. So unlike Upwork or Fiverr where you have to pay 20% transaction fees, as long as you're staked with WorkCoin, you will not have to pay any transaction fees on your um, on your your purchase of a service. That's a major plus. Okay. The second thing is for the sellers, it will be used to buy traffic. And now you're like, well, that what's that? Well, if you think about it, what what this model becomes is a search engine for trap for jobs. And um, so if I, you know, again, using the patent attorney thing, I type patent attorney in the search bar and I get some patent attorneys. Well, if you're a patent attorney and you look at this, that your natural instinct is, how do I get to the top of that? And the answer is, well, you you pay for that position in work coins, just like you pay for traffic in Facebook or Google or, or anything else. You have sponsored uh, search placement, right? And... So for sellers, we think that, you know, this, you know, the traffic, paying for the traffic is very useful. It's very, uh, it's, it's useful and, and, and will command a, a demand for these work coins. So that's the second use of it. The third use of it is for, is for uh, arbitration. So in case of a very small job, like a $50 job, there's probably, you know, the arbitration, if, 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 if it happens, it's going to be done very quickly and it's, it's not a big deal. It's not, you're not going to be paying a lot for, for there's, there's no, we'll absorb the cost. But on the other hand, if it's a $10,000 job and it really, there is a dispute and it's a $10,000 dispute, there's going to need to be an arbitrator who comes in and actually solves the thing. And the arbitrator is going to have to have skill in the, in the area of the dispute. So, for example, if it's a, uh, if you're hiring a lawyer and, you know, you didn't like the legal work that the lawyer did, we're going to want a second lawyer to be the arbitrator and to say, well, this wasn't, you know, this, this job wasn't done properly according to legal standards, et cetera. So that arbitrator is going to have to be paid. And the way we see this is that both sides are going to have to stake amount of a certain amount of work coin, and the loser uh, is going to be is going to pay that that work coin to the arbitrator. So, so for staking as well. So, those are three of the kind of core use cases for the work coin. And again, I think a lot of this stuff it all depends on does the actual app itself have a shot of being you know. Uh, taking off does it is is this thing likely to actually work or is it going to die on the vine and you know i'll take one example uh, of this which is are you familiar with a a, a token called proppy i am no. not okay so proppy is like a real estate uh it's basically they it's a real estate on the blockchain thing it's sort of the leading one so they they basically handle real estate transactions and they've actually done some things where they bought a few houses, you know, entirely on the blockchain. And it's, uh, and you know, it's an interesting proposition. And in many cases, you'd think this is a, sort of an ideal use of the blockchain, right? 
because you can you can buy the thing, you can transfer the deed entirely without, you know, and sort of you cut out a lot of middlemen in this thing. Now, you know, Proppy has as a very simple economics token. We can debate their token economics. That's not the point. The, the real point is there have only been like three or four actual transactions completed on the Proppy network so far. So the token economics haven't yet sort of, you know, the, it's all done on faith, right? So it's done on faith that, you know, the, the, the investors of the, to- the Proppy token are, are betting that you know, this is probably a good thing and somehow these guys are going to figure it out and there will be demand for these Proppy tokens. Is there demand today for them? Not organically from the you know the application of property because you know they they they're just getting started right, but nevertheless the the tokens held up okay you know, so I think a lot of this stuff is not like you always have to be forward looking right so I'd say you know the economics are not how is it going to do day one but how is it does you know does this perceived plan of attack is is this thing a valid sort of uh, is this a valid project? And does does the token economics overall make sense? You know, assuming that they hit their objectives, and that's where I think uh, that's that's really I think the debate. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. No, it does, and I think yeah one of one of the things that's impressed me so much about Workcoin yeah. is no, it does, and I think yeah one of one of the things that's impressed me so much about Workcoin is yeah. how well integrated the tokenomics are with your business model. And I think that's just something that in the world of blockchain right now, I mean, blockchain is dominated by developers and developers are, I'm one of them. We're yep. really good at some things, or I mean, a lot of us are very good at some things like creating a token with um, certain possibilities that maybe other tokens haven't had in the past. But they're not always seamlessly integrated with um, the larger business well, model. That, I'd say there's a lot. A lot of developers are not really good at user interface, and I would say a lot of blockchain apps right now are sort of pure developmenter projects. You know, that are things that are, you know, that are really sort of back end focused. I would say not, uh, you know, that are you know like I built this thing which does. 10,000 transactions per second. Great. Does it have a user interface? No, it does not. You know, and here's, here's my description of my project and it does 10,000 transactions per second, but there's no user interface and, you know, and it's not really consumer looking. So I think one of the things that, that that's very different about our company is, you know, we've really thought through this thing in terms of an actual consumer product that, you know, hopefully, that we can get out and and really get people to use this thing and actually really use the blockchain. You know, that's 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 what keeps me going is the the belief that you know we we could be very close to actually having a consumer usable blockchain, something that I think could be the first you know mass market blockchain app. And again, I go back to this uh, this example of you know. You know, you probably heard of CryptoKitties, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So CryptoKitties, at its peak, okay, was fourteen thousand users. That was at its absolute peak, okay. 
brought down the Ethereum network. But 14,000 users a day is, is just not a big number. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I had uh, yeah, the year 2000, I had a company called iWin, and we had 30 million monthly users. You know, and this is when the Internet was, you know, maybe 120th as large as it is today. You know, and today, you know, I mean, there's, you know, a billion users a day on, on Facebook and Instagram each. So, uh, you know, 14,000 users is just nothing today. It's just nothing on any scale. You know, um, you know, I'm sure Shazam has 140,000 users a day, or if not a million users a day. So it, it is just not a significant number of users, um, even at its peak. And today it's down to, you know, 300 users a day. So I think, you know, I think a lot of this stuff can get to the mass market level. I think it's going to require some architectural changes that a lot of people aren't they aren't thinking about. And in, in particular, I think it absolutely needs something like EOS, where you know you're transacting free of charge and very quickly. Because I don't think an app where you have to wait a minute for anything is going to survive. It, consumers, the average consumer, will not tolerate waiting a minute for something to clear the blockchain let alone, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. They're just not going to allow it. So, you know, you need you need a bunch of, you need very fast apps, you need cheap interface, and you need, uh, you need something that works, you know, that's integrated into a conventional mobile app because that's how we consume products uh, today. So, you know, we sort of, we started from the point of view of like, how can we build something that's completely integrated into something that that honestly just feels like, yeah, maybe there's blockchain in it, but it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like a blockchain app, you know? And so, and I think that's the only way you're going to get these things to be successful. They, they, we have to get past that. Um, you know, we have to get past that. Uh, how, how the hell do I get the crypto from A to B? You know, we, that is just it's, that will stop every one of these things cold, except for like serious developers like you. You know, you guys are okay with it, but not not the average person. Yeah, I'm not even that okay with it myself. It's definitely pretty annoying, <laughs> and you know, I'm very much in this space, so I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, so so Fred, you well, talked and, and for example, yeah. for for that, I would say that you know one of the amazing things about EOS is just simply the idea of username. You know, yeah, which is just an amazing, amazing thing. It's like, you know, the fact that you can send money to Workcoin Fred, and you can type in Workcoin Fred in EOS Park and see the transactions in in Workcoin Fred, is amazing. You know, it's 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 a, a fantastic step forward for usability. Yeah. So, uh, kind of going on that with EOS, you've talked a lot about how great EOS is and how it's a great protocol to to build your application on um are there any other protocols besides eos that you that you considered uh we consider neo a little bit um but i'll tell you some so one of the, the drawbacks of neo is um you actually have to pay for each of these smart contracts so they sort of took the the standpoint that if you want to create a smart contract the contract itself might be actually quite expensive now you know, I mean, in the thousands of dollars, for example. Um, so, you know, it's it's just a little less. It 
it didn't really seem to have any advantages over EOS. And the only time we were really even seriously looking at it was when EOS hadn't yet launched. And we looked at it a little bit. And, you know, the fact that it was sort of had a very much of a Chinese uh, controlled thing didn't didn't sit well with me. I didn't I didn't love that. And I didn't love some of the aspects of it. You know, I looked at a little bit. I looked at Stellar. Um, and, uh, I, again, it, interesting, but, you know, I think EOS is going to, is really, it has solved this problem, which is, you know, it, it really, you don't need, you don't need 10 things here. You need very fast transactions and you need no gas. Those are the two things that are the critical things. And right now EOS is the only platform that has that. Will other platforms have that? Maybe, but, you know, will they have, you know, $4 billion in addition to that? Uh, probably not. You know what I mean? So I think EOS is in, in really the bird's eye position unless they screw up and somehow their governance or, you know, people start double spending because of some block crews. You know, anything can happen in crypto and anything will happen in crypto. But I think that EOS has just an amazing possibility, which is largely unnoticed. People, you know, yes, the crypto investor community is well aware of it, but the, the uh, consumer has not seen anything yet. And um, if you type www.eoslinks, L-Y-N-X, in your browser, you will see the product that we are launching next week, which is our standalone, you know, EOS wallet and we think that this thing could be almost like venmo and this is a work coin thing right so you know we think this could almost be like venmo for crypto uh whereas like literally you know it, it will be uh by the end of july something where you know you just type in oh i want to send crypto to on smith at yahoo.com the guy gets an email opens it up bam he's got crypto you know and and it's so fast. You know, could you do this with Ether? Sort of, not really. You know what I mean? You can't you can't send it that quickly. You can't do microtransactions. It's just not as user friendly. And I think I think there's a big opportunity to really turn this into the you know to the the really consumer way of getting crypto. And yeah. I think you know, and I think that that's it's too complicated. Like if. If it's if you can give crypto that easily, then it's going to start spreading like wildfire. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you if and it's EOS as easy to use as Venmo, you can it, people are are going to use it. You know, and I would say Ether. It's just just because of the wait times, it's just not working. <laughs> like you know, it's just I did a I did a test. I posted about it on Facebook the other day. It, it took me 15 minutes to confirm my Ether. You know, out of uh, I forget where I was even moving it out of. I was moving it out of Coinbase into Kraken. There's a 15-minute confirmation time, you know? That's ridiculous. And on EOS, it's, you know, a couple seconds. So, you know, the idea of, like, here, I'm going to send you something, bam, you got it. That is just, like, it's just mind-blowing when you see that as a consumer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's what I think. And I think the same thing is going to be true for WorkPoint. Like, it's it's one thing talking about it, right? But when I when when I 
when you say, great, I'm going to give you, I'm going to put my service there. And somebody says, great, I'm going to buy it. And, uh, and then the guy pushed, you finish the service and the guy pushes it and you've got money instantaneously in your wallet. You're going to be like, well, that was cool. I want to do more of that. You know what I mean? And I, and I think we're going to be there. You know, <laughs> That's what makes it so exciting to me is like, I think we really are going to get there uh, and, and not like, in 2019, you know, I think we will be there in 2018. People are going to be selling their services. They're going to be getting these these coins. And, you know, yes, it may not be millions of people. It may not be anywhere near as many as Fiverr or Upwork, but there will be some. You know, it will work. It, the transactions will work and you will get crypto. And when you see this, it, it'll be like magic because just because of the speed, you know. Because Fiverr is sort of like Fiverr is going to pay you sort of later, maybe, and take 20%. You know, but when you get paid directly and you get paid 100% of what you put in, wow, you know, and you get paid immediately, that is like, that is just going to be great. And you know, and then all you can do is you just put in, I, this is my expertise and this is what I charge per hour, bam, you know, and somebody can just come there and hire you. I think it has this just completely potential to transform all advice. You know, like I just think that everybody could be like, I, this is, I, I can do legal services. I can do accounting services. I can do, you know, I, I can do uh, introduction to investor services. You know, I can do auditing on your smart contract. Uh, you know, so every one of these things should be as simple as search for it in a search bar, find three people who are online right now, Hire them, get advice, pay them, you're done, you know? And, you know, it, it, it's definitely possible now, you know? It's, it's definitely now very possible. We're very far along in terms of actually having developed this. And I think for us, the last piece was this EOS thing because, you know, up until then, I was sort of like, oh, well, how are we going to do this, you know? Are people going to be sending us the money? Then we're in the middle of it. Then, you know, they want to get paid on a weekend. How do we pay them out? Then we have to, you know, it, it didn't work. But now that we have this EOS and we've got these smart contracts in EOS and it's really truly peer-to-peer and there are no costs, you know, the the the, the setup really works right now. So, right. You know, that's why I'm very, I'm very bullish to, to actually sort of see, you know, and, and we'll be pushing out this links wallet next week and it's a super com- computer uh, consumer friendly thing you know it's just like it'll set up an eos account for you literally you can go in there just type in an account you na- want it boom it'll create the account for you and you know it'll give you a few eos i'm not oh it, you know maybe a few cents of eos so you can start playing around and you can send some to your friends and you're gonna be like wow that worked you know I came in, I logged in, I got a tiny fraction of a few pennies of EOS, and I sent them to a buddy. Wow, that worked, you know, and I didn't pay anything for that, you know. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think, you know, that's the aha moment that I want to get to with crypto, where people go, wow, I can actually use this to transact. This is like so much better than like hooking up my bank account to Venmo and waiting for this and you know, and it's integrated in with an app and everything else. And so, you know, I, I see this as, as being very real and, uh, you know, and it makes me very, very bullish sort of uh, longer term, not even longer term, but even medium term about the, 
the future of crypto, right? And it it's sort of like, and certainly EOS as well, right? Because and and it's sort of like maybe, you know, almost like the price of Bitcoin and ETH are almost contrary indicators to how I see this thing evolving because I could see this stuff becoming super mainstream and Bitcoin going down, you know, <laughs> because I think it's, it's sort of like it may, this may be a, this may be a, a bad thing for Bitcoin. You know, if, if people can transact so easily on these kind of things, why do they need Bitcoin? You know, that's kind of my view. Perhaps. Um, but I think, one thing that's just very obvious is that you and EOS make a very good partnership. You, you're sort of aligned on the combination of the staking model, which I think is a big improvement over something like Ethereum. And then also the staking model is sort of goes hand in hand with the idea of um, passing on a lot of the sort of blockchain responsibility to the supplier. And I think that's just the way you have to go, especially at the early stage of the market, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, and that, to, to that point, for example, you know, one of the big problems with, um, with these early stage markets is that, um, you know, you get stuff like MetaMask, right? Which is, you know, it's, nobody can figure it out. And, you know, the average person doesn't understand what a Chrome plugin is, let alone what a MetaMask log it is, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, now you've got like, what is MetaMask? Okay, great. So that's a, that's not the same password. No, that's your MetaMask password. Okay, okay, great. Now I have to move money from Coinbase into MetaMask. Yes, you do. You know, so now there's this whole separate step just to effectively move money into your account and to sign transactions. And okay, and how does it work on mobile? Oh, it doesn't work on mobile. Okay. So now you're, you know, all this is just because you don't have an integrated system. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's to your point, right? So I think it's, uh, you know, if you're telling the client to pay at every stage of the way, you know, and whip out MetaMask to sign a transaction or to change their address or their username or something like that, that it's just not going to work, you know, and, and you have to wait, you know, a minute for the Ethereum transaction to work, not going to work. And so mm -hmm. EOS has taken that responsibility by saying, yeah, you as a client should not be paying any gas fees. You know what I mean? And actually neither should the, neither should be the, uh, the person using your app. Uh, maybe they, they have to, you have to, the owner of the app has to stake a bunch of, uh, coin in there to uh allow them to, to create your application but you know it's you're certainly not going to be requiring people to uh to go to metamask every single time that there's a cost involved you know so um so fred i'm just curious i just have one sort of question and i, I hate to take it out of the sort of bullish eos is the future Mm -hmm. vibe which is you know a fun place to, to hang out um yeah. yeah but i'm curious like why why hasn't uh fiverr or upwork adopted the model of let's say just having the suppliers of these tasks pay for the opportunity to be on the marketplace rather than lop off something or the top of each transaction 
And I, I asked that because so why why aren't they doing this? I mean, so it's a fundamentally the reason they they can't do this right now with their model is this. There's if you look at if you if you look at payment with a credit card based system, you're looking at six percent, you know, three percent each way, right? Uh, so that's six percent overall. Plus you have all these chargebacks and uh, you know buyer fraud charges. So you know, the minute you have a marketplace where you know person A can pay person B money, and person A and person B might be the same person, you know. So person A comes in with a bunch of stolen credit cards and buys money from person B, who's their accomplice or maybe just an alias of person A. Um, the marketplace is going to basically now pay this out of their own pocket. And um, and then when the credit cards show up as fraudulent, they're going to um, they're going to uh, uh, eat the entire cost. Right. And that's the way chargebacks work. And so the the to counteract this. Right. And so basically the, the friction for these companies like Upwork or Fiverr is on the order of, you know, 15 percent. Let's let's call it, you know, for new business. And, you know, so the way that they solve this problem is they say, well, we're going to charge 20 percent. We're going to hold on to new accounts. So if you're a new seller on Fiverr, you're waiting a month before you get paid. Even if you're an experienced seller, you're waiting two weeks to get paid just because they want to make sure that everything's, you know, if there was a chargeback that it happens during those two weeks so that they can then deduct it out of your uh, earnings or ban you or anything else. And then they need to, like, have a whole anti-fraud department, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of what PayPal eventually was, right? PayPal really was just a fraud detection thing. So, you know, it, it's just not possible when you're dealing with credit. Um, it is not possible to do this stuff because credit is not money. You know, if I've charged money on a credit card, you could get a charge back 90 days later and, you know, it'll stick. So, you know, fundamentally, it's a fundamental different model when you're dealing in crypto or you're dealing in credit. That's a fundamentally right. different model. And so, it you know, it is not, it is, <laughs> is this not, you know, now Fiverr could accept crypto very easily, right? They could say, yeah, sure, we accept crypto. That, that wouldn't solve any of the problem because they still wouldn't be able to show the identity of the people because the rest of the people, since they also accept credit cards, um, you know, they uh, they have this, this exact margin problem, right, and cost problem. So, you know, it's a fundamentally different model than than Fiverr or Upwork. And, you know, it it may not work if crypto doesn't take off, right? If, if we can't get this crypto stuff so it's easy enough for buyers to, you know, buy the crypto and and uh, and sort of pre-purchase, right? Then it won't work, and um, and and it also won't work if the sellers say, "Well, you know, I I only want to get paid to my bank account. I don't want to get paid in crypto, right?" Then it also may not work. Now you could say, "Well, we could pay them in in fiat." Well, we can as long as we file money transmission network uh, licenses in all fifty states, because that's effectively what we would be at that point. So right. not 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 very easy for us to. You know, and, and that's not easy because, like, if you even look at an exchange like Bittrex, it's only got, like, six states covered. You know, very few people have all 50 states. I think Coinbase may be one of the only ones. And I think that point is yep. such 
it's such good news for people who are holding crypto right now. I mean, the fact that you can't, with the current payment system, have like a properly incentivized um, freelance network just sort of shows how that that system is in some ways doomed. I think it is. Look, I think it's sort of like this. It's like it has to be that we are going to go to crypto, right? Like there's no doubt in my mind that we that, you know, 10 years from now, it may not be credit cards are not used. But I I do think crypto is going to be widely used 10 years from now. You know what I mean? I think it'll be it'll be a normal thing that everybody has some crypto and that they're paying for stuff in crypto and that you have debit cards that are tied to crypto. And I, I think all that stuff's going to happen, you know? Um, you know, everybody's fighting it now. The banks are fighting it. The money, anti-money laundering guys are fighting it. Um, you know, the securities guys are fighting it. Everybody's fighting it, right? Well, they all want their but, cut. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, they all want their cut. Dis- it is disruptive, right? Yeah. It is. It, it really is disruptive, right? Because, you know, it. and I think there's three key things that people don't like. One is, they don't like the the fact that uh, it could be potentially used for money laundering, which it can, right? But so can cash. So can you know? So Wells Fargo Bank did, HSBC did a ton of money laundering. You know, it's so just, it uh, it happens anyways, right? I'm not saying it's a good thing, but you know, yeah, the uh, uh, so that's one reason. You know, the taxes. You know, people were like very afraid that people with crypto wouldn't pay their taxes. I think that's being addressed. Let me put it that way. And then I think there's, you know, people are afraid of the securities aspect of ICOs. You know, that well, people are going to be investing in these things and they're going to lose money. Eh, they're also going to be losing money if they invest in, you know, angel-funded startups or, you know, penny stocks or even regular stocks that go down. I mean, you know, so I think these are these are all these are all things that are going to be overcome. I'm, you know, I'm very, very bullish, I would say, on, on the crypto world. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that means that Bitcoin's going to go up, but, you know, it might, you know. But, you know, it's like, but I do think that crypto is going to be, is crypto going away? Absolutely not. Is crypto going to be used much, much more? I think 100% it will, you know. And so I think... The way I'm playing it is, you know, I um, I'm building this work coin that I think could be could really generate some consumer adoption. And that's that's my way of playing it. I mean, there's there's other ways of playing it. You know, but I do think I am I am bullish on crypto. I do think that the I think the, the crypto economy is just going to grow. And, uh, you know, it may it may be a little surprising to some people. I think I think what's going to surprise people is is once you start seeing one or two of these apps get traction, then I think it's just going to be you know the 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 gates the dam will bust you know what I mean, and I think you know it's not, it's not like technically everything we're doing on Workcoin is impossible to you know I think I think people are going to see oh well that makes sense we could do an app like that we could have a browser in the app I mean a wallet in the app we can you know people are figuring out how to get these coins in and out and everything else and so you know i am i'm quite bullish that you know that we could see a very big explosion of uh actual crypto usage 
in the next 12 months, you know, and I, and I think, look, I think Facebook probably will get involved, <laughs> you know, Telegram's definitely going to get involved, but I think Facebook will get involved. And I think, you know, I think we're going to see, um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of coins out there, you know, that that's why I'm, you know, I think, you know, I, it makes me very bullish on the sector. So. Well, like, like most conversations about crypto, this has left me feeling very bullish about its future, slightly resentful of our government, <laughs> and yep. just overall extremely excited about yeah. Well, the, thank you. The future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think we're at a we're at an amazing point in technology, right? I mean, I've been involved in tech, you know, for for a while, right? I mean, I was there at the you know when the first internet boom happened, you know, I, I, you know, and I'm you know active and. Had a startup, venture-funded startup, you know, uh, you know, we I've seen it before. This is as exciting. I'm not going to say more exciting, but because I do think the internet was amazing and is amazing, you know. But uh, but it's it's you know it's equally exciting, you know. I think the the idea that that we really can you know have money be digital and that I can be transmitting money, you know, at the speed of light across the anywhere in the world uh, is is amazing and i think that you know once that's integrated into a bunch of different processes it's going to make everything much much more efficient so you know i'm you know uh i understand why the government's the way it is but i i actually don't think you can stop this stuff and you know i think what you know if you go to korea and you see people there just you know, they're in the street. There's signs like for you know, exchange Bitcoin, just like you know, you might see in the place like London or Paris, exchange your pounds for Swiss francs. You know, but you see that in the street in Korea and Bitcoin ATMs everywhere. You know, I I think that this is the direction we're going to be. You know, it may sound crazy, but I think it'll be the norm in a few years. You know, and so. You know, I just, you know, I, I do think that that's, you, you shouldn't let your eye off that prize because I think that that's, that's coming. I'm pretty bullish for that reason. Well, Fred, I think that's a great way to cap off this, this interview. Uh, we really appreciate your time and insights. I, I know speaking for myself, I, I learned a lot here and I, I hope everyone listening did too. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, guys.